just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. This show, Ed is joining us, as he so often does. And, Ed, I was anxious to get you on the show because so much has happened since we last talked. I mean, just yesterday, a whole bunch of shit happened. Um, First of all, the queen died. I don't know if that was a special interest to you or not. Well, it is to my wife, as she pointed out when when she was a little girl. Now she's ten years younger than me. She's close to you, closer to your age than mine. Okay. And uh, uh, she said, for the the girls of her generation, uh, you know, women in power were few and far between. Good and point. you could debate all day whether the queen has actual power or not, but she does. If she only does. to influence, so she can she could if she didn't like a prime minister, she could turn the country against them like that. Let's right. face it. Right. You know, and this this is a woman who uh, uh, the longest person in power in the world, uh, probably ever, unless there was some sheik somewhere or something. She outdid Victoria, who was in power about 60 years or something yeah. like that. And, she, uh, she She's second place to Louis the 14th. That's right. Uh, I remember Deb telling me that now. Yeah. So uh, but and he wasn't exactly. I mean, that was a pretty good period for France, I guess, if I remember right. But uh, in general, uh, she's she's seen some stuff. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, when when it first happened, I was kind of a little taken aback by how much we're seeing it on the news here in, in the States, in spite of all the other really important stuff going on that we're talking about. And, and I did a TikTok and I did a podcast and I was saying, you know, um, she died. Okay. It didn't really mean that much to me because I'm not a subject of hers. I'm not in Great Britain and I don't know anything about the royal family. But what I do have to admit is, like you said, she had been in power. She is technically regarded as a head of state. I don't know what that means in Great Britain, but she was the head of state for 70 years. And what I thought was interesting is people have pointed out that she knew she had met and got to know every president since Harry Truman. That's fucking pretty amazing. Except one. There was one president she did not meet. Really? Who's that? Uh, uh, Let's see if you can guess. And uh, he presided over a war in the only war, practically, that Britain has not joined the U.S. in. Nixon. And no, LBJ. LBJ. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So so it was kind of a protest of the Vietnam War that she didn't meet with. I have have no idea if it was that he just didn't want to travel there, if she didn't want to meet with him. You generally speaking, because the quote special relationship, almost all presidents make that trip. And occasionally, you know, occasionally uh, she would come here, but but rarely, but, uh, um, well, maybe she just had an, uh, an aversion to uh, talking to a president while he's sitting on the toilet. That could have been maybe, it. Maybe she felt that was a little crude. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that might've been it. And, you know, I mean, I was not a fan of LBJ at the time. Um, 
and largely because of Vietnam. But in retrospect, I think he did some really great stuff. Um, well, he, I changed my opinion of him looking back. Well, looking back, you do. And, and, and Lyndon Johnson, for all intents and purposes, he was a thug. He was a Mitch McConnell for the Democratic Party back then. He was a bastard. Uh, but when he took over for Kennedy, he pushed through these civil rights bills and he, he passed more bills than anybody at the time. I think Biden just beat him, but just uh, barely, just barely, but he passed all these things through. I, I hardly think that he was a huge supporter of civil rights. But I think he knew it was a big vote getter. So that's why he followed up with what Kennedy did. Well, you might be surprised. He started out as a school teacher in West Texas. And, True. Uh, and um, he had Hispanic kids, black kids and so forth. And he was very moved by the fact that so many black men were dying in Vietnam. And yet here in the States, they come back to the States and uh, could be lynched in their uniforms in the South. And he right. was... Uh, that moved him a great deal. So he was uh, he was really much more, I believe. And, of course, Hubert Humphrey was there with him, too. They were both much more uh, dedicated to civil rights and the domestic agenda than I think uh, ever the Kennedys were. I mean, uh, the Kennedys did some good lip service, and they did some stuff. They sent in, you know, uh, federal marshals, you know, to, to – into the South at some points and things like that. But they, they weren't big fans of Martin Luther King. Well, maybe uh, that's what, example. that's what the United States needs now. A democratic thug with a heart. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, uh, there are no perfect people. I have learned that, but there are some very imperfect people, Donald Trump, that, yeah. uh, have no uh, redeeming, uh, qualities that I can find. I mean, maybe there is some somewhere. Maybe when he was a kid or something, he was nice to a squirrel. I don't know, but I have seen nothing since. But almost everybody else, uh, even Nixon, I was able to find some good in. Trump? Not so much. Well, Nixon, Nixon, on top of being not the most uh, decent guy, he was kind of a weirdo, too. I mean, he was kind bit. of socially awkward, and yep. uh, th that didn't work for him. He was from a Quaker background. I don't know anything about Quakers, but uh, it's certainly different than the norm. But just kind of wrapping things up with the Queen, she passes away, and, and, and I mentioned in a TikTok and on the podcast, people were saying, oh, I was shocked. Really? You were shocked a 96-year-old woman who'd reigned as queen for 70 years, who had been sick for the last few months? You're shocked she died? I, it's not a shock. Uh, it, it came up quickly. I mean, you know, they they were saying she's sick, and then we saw these cars running for the castle. So we knew we knew the end was near. It may have already happened, uh, for that matter. But, yeah, it came out of nowhere because they're always very close-mouthed about, you know, what goes on in the royals' private lives, uh, for the most part, as much as they can. So, and, so um, you think Charles was in his chamber uh, after she died, being sad and everything, of course, but also lip-syncing to Lizzo's song, It's About Damn Time. I mean, he's 73 <laughs> years old, and now he's finally getting a chance to be king. I, You know, I don't know. I mean, I I, I can't put my my head into, into his as to how you would be affected. Your mom just died, and suddenly you're, you're king of a country, and you've got all these responsibilities you didn't used to have. You know, you're used to having a leisurely breakfast and then going out riding or something. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be having to show up and open 
supermarkets or whatever the queen does all day long. I mean, well, I know so she that, had a lot of different things that she had to do. Yeah. And she was a billionaire. So whatever she was doing, yeah. she was getting well paid for. Uh, but now it's King Charles, unless he changes his name, which he could do. But um, he's not going to, he's, he's going with that. By the okay. Way. King, King Charles the third. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, but his, his, his current wife, Camilla, offers yes. a little bit of weirdness to the whole whole situation. Of course, he was cheating she with her. Be, yeah, she will be the queen consort. That's already been worked out. That's her title. What's that mean, queen consort? It means she can't inherit the throne, <clears throat> essentially. It's like uh, Queen Elizabeth's mother could not become queen because she wasn't in the direct line. Elizabeth okay. had to because she was the oldest child. So she became the, uh, the, uh, queen. Um, Camilla is, you know, she sleeps with the king. That's what it comes down to. She's, <laughs> she's a queen. She's a queen, but she can't inherit the title and become queen. Uh, the big and, queen. So and neither queen. can her heirs. Uh, right. <laughs> well, no, uh, well, she doesn't have any that I know of. Uh, does she have any kids? I know I, she doesn't with Charles. I don't know, but I, I'm assuming she's a divorced woman. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, she was, I believe, married to a military guy way, way back. Now, now, didn't this is the weird thing? Didn't um, the reason why Elizabeth ended up queen is because her father ended up king, and the reason her father ended up king is because his older brother decided to marry a divorced American woman. So he had to right. abdicate. So is he in trouble now because he's married to a, uh, to a divorced woman? Uh, who, no, this who has already on? been, no, oh, this has already been, right. It's already been worked out. Uh, as some time ago last year, I think I probably looking ahead, they worked all of that out and said, this is the way it's going to be. She will become queen. She'll get the title, but she's a queen consort. She can't inherit. It, it goes to William, and it, then it goes to William's kids. And then after William's kids, it would go to Harry and Harry's kids. And after Harry, it, it yeah, even even Randy Andy is in there. He's number 11 Who? down there. So if there's a big bomb and blows up. Oh, you know, Randy uh, Andy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he, he's still in line. He's number 11. Yeah. <laughs> you, didn't, well, you didn't know I knew all this crap, did you? <laughs> I did not know you know all this stuff. But you're you know in why? theater. Why? Well, my wife, uh, my wife uh, is an aficionado of the royals. Uh, really? Always has been. Right. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. And I and I think uh, uh, largely because of what she said. I mean, if you're a, a young girl and you're looking around for role models, uh, who better than the queen, right? Let me ask you something. There was some talk that they might bypass Charles and go right to William. Is that even possible in that process? No, or does it have to it's go not. to Charles? He would have to say, he would have to say, eh, no, I'm, I don't want it. It goes to my son. He would have to do that. Uh, he gets it whether he wants it or not, but he has to turn it down. Then it would go to William. They can't just, this, this stuff is written in stone. It's very carefully uh, worked out. And, you know, of course, if there were no uh, English royals left, if something had happened, if they all got COVID and died, they'd have to go somewhere else. I mean, that's where Prince Philip was Greek, right. for example. He, he was a Greek royalty. Uh, her her husband, 
Um, so they have to go find uh, um, royalty, if there are any, in other countries. If, uh, for example, the Windsors were originally housed for Hanover, they were German. All the Georgias were German. They came over from these German states, uh, or the the original George the First. And, so if they, uh, so they if, were, if they did, they couldn't find any royals in Europe, and they had to come to the U.S. Does that mean Dolly Parton would be queen then? Yeah, I think <laughs> that's why it goes. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it. I'd love to see Dolly as queen. No I one deserves too. it more than her. Uh, well, so, I mean, there's been all kinds of movies about that, uh, King Ralph and different ones along those lines where that happens, you know, that they have to go searching for DNA, so to speak, to right. to come up with somebody. And, uh, but, you know, so many countries have done away with their royalty in one way or another <laughs> over the years that uh, that it would be hard to come up with them. But uh, you know, there's enough British ones now that I don't think they have to worry for any. In a long, long time. No, no, probably not. Now, since your wife is an aficionado, I have this question. She's right. the queen. Is she the queen of England, the queen of Great Britain, the queen of what? Is there, or of everything? The, the Commonwealth, everything. Okay. So she's the queen. She's yeah. regarded as the head of state. Yes. And she's worth several billion dollars, so she's made some yeah. money. What what is she really in control of? For me, it seems like just a uh, honorary position or a figurehead position, but I'm guessing I'm wrong about that. Uh, yes, no. I mean, she cannot uh, because if you go back to the Magna Carta, there's a power sharing thing that goes on um, with the original. The all the nobles, you know, wrote up to King John and said, "We don't like you, so if you want to remain king, you've got to." create parliament and we're going to, you know, and then later on, uh, Oliver Cromwell, uh, uh, chopped off the head of Charles the first took over for a while, but the uh, British decided they wanted a King back. So they went and took it, got, went to France and got his son, Charles the second and brought him back and reestablished the royalty. But for a little period there, uh, there was no royalty. Right. And there, there have been periods where, for example, where the king was like two years old. And so they had what was called a regent. The regency period was in the, the eight, I think the late 18 or seven, 1800s, I think. But, uh, anyway, uh, it's been pretty much continuity. They go back to the legendary Arthur who may or may not be real, you know, but right. I think Chanute, Chanute maybe was the very first one that they can actually track. I, it's, I it's come down. I like to there. bring things down to the basics so it's simple for me to understand. Let me see if this makes any sense to you, if you agree with this or not. All right. As queen of the Commonwealth, she doesn't have any specific power, but she has an immense amount of influence. Right. Is that about right? I think that's right. And don't quote me on it because I don't know the, you know, every jot and tittle of it, but that, that's my impression. Uh, that she cannot decree that something happens. Uh, within the family, I believe she can. For example, she took away uh, Andrew's uh, military uh, uh, titles and, and his royal titles, too, and said, you've been such a bad boy, go stand over there in the corner. Yeah. Um, the only thing she couldn't take away from him was his right to in inherit the throne if everybody else dies. Now, 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 could Chuck come back in? I call him Chuck because I yeah. feel like I've known him all my life. 
could yeah. Chuck come back in now as king and restore some of that stuff for Andy? No. You can't do it. Uh, I don't know. I suppose he could. I don't think he would. Um, yeah. No, I mean, uh, they're lucky. Andy's lucky he's not in prison. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, this, this whole pedophilia thing is 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 kind of a stain. I don't know yeah, how they look bit. at it over in England, but it's kind of a stain. And well, let's and, face it: the royals, the royals in general, the the upper crust, if you will, in England are uh, they're a crazy bunch. I mean, uh, if you find a mental condition that doesn't exist uh, in the royal family, you'd really have to search. I mean, yeah. uh, actually, there there is quite a bit of. Uh, mental deficiency in the royal family. Uh, there were uh, a number of their relatives who were in institutions and have been their whole lives, for example. Uh, is it? Does this have anything to do with inbreeding and that type of thing? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, even though they spread out over Europe and they would go occasionally like it and bring in Philip, right, you know, from Greece, he brought right. in some new DNA, I guess, and that probably helped. But, um, well, over time, if you're, if it's, it's like a small community, the Royals. Yeah. yeah. And if you, you do the constant inbreeding, it, it's like a small community here in the U.S. where, you know, there wasn't a lot of people moving in from the outside over generations. You get a lot of that. It just it, happens. It's a small, um, imperfect, damaged community, like say those people who work in radio. Same yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Carnivals. <laughs> carnival people, yeah. carnival folks. Well, you know, I, I mentioned the word stain, and when I say the word stain, a name comes to mind, and that would be Steve Bannon. We got some news right. about Steve Bannon. <laughs> he was arrested a fucking gan, but this is no surprise. No. No, uh, uh, I'm surprised it took as long as it did. Now, and, and, you know, all of the, uh, all of the right wingers are losing their mind. Oh, this is just the Democrats going after a powerful Republican who's, you know, whose, uh, podcast is so, does so much quote good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The fact is he, he, he tried a cheap scam. He got caught. He was never charged. See, this is the thing. He was never charged. He was given a pardon by Trump, so he never faced federal charges on this, right. which allows them to come in with state charges. There's no double jeopardy because he was never charged before. Oh, He's going see, to prison. Okay, this is where I was confused. I thought he went to court and was going to jail, but he wasn't charged at all. They got he he pre, uh, Donald Trump preempted the, right. the the trial and the conviction. Okay, that's right. He was not charged formally. So that means, uh, you see, his, uh, Trump's, uh, campaign manager who was, uh, in link to Roger Stone, they, uh, it was Stone and Manafort. Uh, Manafort was in exactly the same position. He was charged federally for crimes. But he was in jail. And, right. Right. Exactly. He was in jail, but he got a pardon. But then they come, could not come back and get him with state charges because that would be double jeopardy because he had already faced those charges in court and had been convicted, gone to prison, but received a, uh, a pardon. Therefore, okay. he could not be charged by in state court. Bannon, uh, maybe he should have gone to court because now he's screwed. There's yeah. no way he there's no way out of this for him. Because his co-conspirators have already pleaded guilty, for goodness sake. So, so uh, you know, he's he's uh, 
he's under the jail for about 15 years if they want to hit him with that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and on top of that, he's already awaiting sentencing on two uh, counts of, of uh, contempt of Congress. Contempt of Congress, right. Yeah. So he's going to jail for that, and it could be up to two years. And now mm-hmm. he's going to be in the process for this fraud. But let me just say, the reason he went – he got convicted of contempt of Congress is because he wouldn't testify in front of the January 6th committee over right. and above the contempt of Congress and this fraud now in New York. I have to feel there might be some possible indictments with his connection to the insurrection. So he may not be done getting indicted. Oh, I think not. And what was funny today, you know, who was sitting in for him on his podcast while he was in court? <laughs> Who? Peter Navarro. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> the, guy know, that, the other guy that they arrested for contempt of Congress. So I don't know. You know, I mean, this stuff, you have, you can't make this stuff up. It just, it just keeps uh, happening. I would say he's a flight risk. I hope they got his passport because, uh, oh, he, he definitely has, he a flight has, risk. yeah, he has to be looking and going, geez, uh, 15 years in the who's gal. I don't, I mean, it probably wouldn't be, it would be, Probably sentenced to five and served two or something like that, you know. Yeah, just to right get him. now he's walking free. I'm not even on bail. I mean, they just let him loose on his own recognizance. I just think, to get him out of the equation would be the important thing. I wonder if he understands that while he's in prison, he won't be able to continue the podcast. Uh, well, I hope so. <laughs> you know, it's nice though. We'll I'm looking see. for the moment he goes in jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The Rational Boomer podcast becomes more influential than Steve Bannon's podcast because it's fucking <laughs> done. Yes, exactly. I, somebody will try to raise it from the ashes, uh, I'm, no doubt. But uh, Well, um, maybe Tucker Carlson after they shut down Fox News when Dominion sues him for a billion six. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me of something. I got to jump in here because we were talking about CNN the other day, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. how there's a, a definite turn to the right it looks like and i was uh i was pretty much condemning of what was going on over there uh, with their new head and so forth but i did some reading on it and quite frankly cnn was on its last legs and it the, the reason is uh, cable news is uh it's an old folks home right they will not no ad agency will make a buy on cable news for anything under the age of 50. So that's why when you watch cable news, you see all the geriatric crap and the the medications. And if you go over to Fox, they got the bogus medications and the Dr. Oz crap. But uh, you can't run uh, an organization like CNN, a worldwide news organization with the kind of money that they were, they were commanding. So if you noticed over time, they've started to cut back on the number of people they have in other countries and that sort of thing. They're not right. doing the kind of coverage where they had the, 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 the scud stud in Israel during the time when Saddam Hussein was firing rockets in there. And the next, you just don't see that kind of coverage anymore. And the, the fact is they just cannot make enough money. You've got MSNBC over here, which is like a restaurant where you go in, there's a guy over there with a velvet rope who escorts you in to your seat. Right, you got to right. make a reservation. Then you got Fox that's kind of like a roadside diner. And then you, then you got CNN in the middle. But what MSNBC has that 
the other two don't have is that NBC makes a buy with them included. So if you make a, an ad buy, you want to you want to get on one of NBC's shows, right? And it right. can be anything. You got to buy in MSNBC too. That's an old radio station trick, you know. Like say yeah. you had a sports yeah. event, and the sports yep. event uh, attracted a big audience, and you wanted to buy advertising. They would make this uh, qualification that, well, we'll sell you the sports thing, but you got to also sponsor the the uh, public affairs thing on Sunday. <laughs> yep. And that's how they do exactly. it. They, 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 they twist their fucking arm. So that's what MSNBC is doing. That makes sense. I mean, as far as CNN is with this new regime in, it's not doing anything for the fucking ratings. The ratings are still tanking on CNN. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's hurting them. They're losing listeners or viewers to msnbc and they're not gaining any from fox so it's not working but the the new head when he went in um the he his sole directive was raise the uh price for price per thousand which is basically uh you know a, a revenue term that they were so far down they could barely uh, hold their head up above, get their nose above water. That's what your job is to raise that. This is his way to do it. And he has to go, uh, he has to, uh, go right because older people tend to be more conservative. Right. So, uh, if he went more left, he can't beat MSNBC because they've got the revenue stream that he doesn't have. I'm thinking, uh, they're in big trouble over at CNN and they just may not be around that long. I think they're in big trouble, and and uh, forgive me for comparing it to radio, but we've had a lot of experience in radio. And this is akin to a radio station that's maybe playing country, yep. and, uh, or, and, and, and they're not doing well because there's too much competition. They're not doing well, so they decide to switch to rap or rock or something like that. And the big risk here is not only do you have to gamble as to whether or not you're going to get this new audience – you're losing the fucking audience that you had. So for a right. period of time, you got nobody once you've made that transition. And that may be why they're kind of slowly making that transition. Uh, well, this if they is made the a quick thing. transition, they'd be fucked. Especially now, especially in the last, I'm going to say 20 years, but especially the last 10, maybe even the last five, media is aging out. And yeah. the cable news is aging out. Uh, that's what's happening. The younger people right now, if you live in the villages down in Florida or some, you're probably tuning into Fox every day. If you, uh, if you're over the age of 50, you're sitting around, you may have your TV tuned to CNN. You may have it tuned to, uh, to MSNBC, whatever. But if you're a young person with your phone as your primary news source, you're not, you're not looking at cable news. You don't, may not even know it exists. You're, uh, you're listening to podcasts which is one big thing, of course. Uh, the, or which I jumped uh, right on. I jumped right, right on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But uh, the uh, all of cable news is, is aging out just like uh, broadcast news did before them. I mean, when we were kids, you either listened to Walter Con Cronkite or you listened to Huntley and Brinkley. I don't even know who was on ABC uh, until Peter Jennings came along. It didn't matter because nobody watched. 
Right, right. But uh, they aged out because of cable. Everybody went to cable because it was 24 hours. It was always there. They had more resources and so forth. Those are all still around. It's like AM radio. When I was a kid, you listened to AM radio for your music. Right. And then uh, then along came FM, and the quality was better and so forth. And when they, when they uh, uh, figured out how to do it and so forth, AM was dead till they discovered talk radio. Absolutely. And then, then it, then it, then it kind of came back. And, um, but still now podcasts, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know how many AM stations they're going to be eventually. Um, right. we have one here in town that I haven't listened to since I moved back here almost four years ago. Right. Uh, even once I, their formats junk and I have no reason to, to listen to it. And well, I'm sure the younger people here, all of the younger people are in that same boat. I think the big problem nowadays that the media has to address is the way media is now consumed. It's far different than it was when we were younger or, you know, even 20 years ago. Kids don't want to sit down, turn on the TV, whether it be network TV shows or network news or even cable news now, because that's essentially become the network of today. And you know, they want to watch YouTube. They want to watch TikTok. They want to listen to podcasts. They want what they want when they want it in the time frame they need it. This whole thing. I mean, we used to sit and say, okay, that TV show, Brady Bunch is coming on Friday. We got to right. watch that. We had to be sitting there on Friday. Now you can go watch a television show from episode one to episode 13 in a fucking day. And yeah, the way and people consume media is different now. Exactly. And, you know, we had the VCRs there for a while. That was a big innovation where you could record something and watch it later. And, and people started doing that. And that started, uh, you know, a whole revolution there. How do we get people to to watch our commercials when they can speed through them? <laughs> you know, all of that sort of thing. It, it's it's been a it's 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 been a wild ride if you're in media for a while. And we see now that, that people are very fickle. Um, remember there was, there was AOL and there was all of these, these email things. There was email. Nobody right. does email anymore outside of some business stuff, probably. And, right. um, I, I check it every once in a great while. Um, but I don't really communicate that way. I either use a, a, a messenger or, uh, or text or something like that. Young people, even more, they don't do Facebook anymore. No. They're leaving Twitter in droves. Uh, they're hanging in on TikTok for now. Uh, YouTube, they're still there, but that's mostly because of the format, I think, and because they are creators themselves and they enjoy doing that. You know, I mean, you can, you have a movie studio in your hand now, for God's sakes. Right. <laughs> with exactly. the right software, you can literally make a movie with your phone. Right. And people have done it. I think, and, if, uh, I think if news sources want to adapt to what's going on today, people's attention spans are minute. You know, you sit and watch CNN or MSNBC, you watch one hour show, you get your information, and then a new face comes up and you get the same stuff reiterated in right. the second thing. So there's a lot of repetition to it. If I'm a news guy right now and I want to get the largest audience, let's not talk about money because I don't know how you monetize it. But what I would do is, you know, either on something like TikTok or your own app or whatever, I would do short segments, five-minute segments of stories, 
and then do another five-minute segment of another story. I mean, for me, if I'm trying to consume news, that would be more valuable to me. Okay, I want to hear about Steve Bannon. Hit that, and I can watch five minutes and get it encapsulized uh, so I can understand it. They're going to have to adapt to the way people do stuff. Most kids don't sit and watch network news anymore, and their ratings are getting lost. If they could just pull up an episode and watch it, um, like they can on cable, that's going to be more palatable to them. Oh, absolutely. And and somebody will figure out something. And there's some technology we don't even know about yet, uh, whether it's virtual or whatever it is that uh, uh, we will uh, we will struggle to keep up with that the kids will jump into automatically because they because of their gaming or whatever they're involved with, it's going to come from that. It's going to be something that is so foreign to us that we will struggle to right. keep up with it. it. It's like when uh, when um, when they came out with the new phones. My mom was used to the old Bakelite dial phone, and that's all she wanted, by golly. Right. She didn't need anything with all these buttons on it. <laughs> and uh, she struggled with that technology. Um, you know, she was always, hello, hello, you know, dee, 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 trying yeah. to, uh, you know, and, um, and, and of course she never did a cell phone or anything like that. I mean, somebody would hand her a cell phone or something on occasion, but it, she was never comfortable with it. She wanted the old big light dial phone and that was it. Um, she wanted, uh, you know, TV. She wanted to sit down on Thursday night and watch Ironside or whatever, you know, and, uh, uh, that was, she needed that rigidity and, uh, it's no longer there. And, uh, so many, I'm, I'm finding myself running into that as well. I, I had to, between the time I left work and I, I kind of got back, you know, in moving and all of that and traveling, we did a lot of traveling and so forth. And apps kind of came in while I was, uh, while I was elsewhere right. <laughs> and it, it took me a while to catch up Yeah, because does. I was used, used to, uh, you know, the old style stuff. I was used to the email. I was used to that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, it took me a while to catch back up. I'm not sure I'm still caught up. You know, uh, 50, I mean, 50. what we're doing now, I, we couldn't have done a few no. years ago. No, absolutely not. I mean, probably 15, 20 years ago when podcasts first came around, I saw it. And I'm not Nostradamus here, but I said to myself, if this goes, if this continues to progress, it will beat out radio because you get to pick and choose what you want to hear about, whether it be music or whether it be news or whether it be stories. But at some point, podcasts are going to become mainstream and radio is going to take a huge hit. And that's exactly what happened. Radio. I rarely listen to radio because I find it boring. I don't like the 15 minutes of fucking commercials in every radio show. Um, you know, for us, having been in radio for many years, my wife listens to a morning show in town here, and she thinks it's hilarious. And I listen to it, and I go, yeah. I mean, it's the same old shit we've heard for 35 years. It's the same right. formula for a morning show or any other show on radio, and it's just boring to me. I need something more stimulating. and And – and not all podcasts are great, of course, but there are some that are good. At least you can pick and choose what you want to listen to, and you don't have to be in the right locale to listen to it. You can listen to something from Sri Lanka if you fucking want. 
Exactly. I mean, uh, once you were able to get uh, Spotify and these different, which I, I, I really hate all the music services because I think they're a disservice to the musicians. They, yeah, they make gigantic profits and they give musicians nothing. Right. Uh, I know friends that get checks for 16 cents right, right. <laughs> for, for, uh, for the number of plays they may have on a, on a song or something while, you know, the service itself is making millions. I'm paying but, 10 uh, bucks a month to have the service and they're getting pennies. Exactly. And, uh, so I, I hate that part of it, but I do like being able to, like when my wife and I uh, drive to get her, her, uh, uh, allergy shots, uh, you know, it's, it's a 30 mile drive and that kind of stuff. And she pops her phone, uh, uh, into the car radio and we listen to, uh, either a, a music mix, eighties, nineties, two thousands, whatever, or an artist or whatever. Or the other thing we will do is tune in NPR or oh. I'm sorry. That's habit from growing up, from being living in Minnesota for so long. Uh, National Public Radio, the right. local affiliate, will uh, will bring that up and listen to all things considered or something like that. But because um, I'm used to it, you know, and and I do like that they go in depth on certain things and do interviews and that sort of thing. So I listen to that, but to listen to music on the radio that somebody else is picking out for me number one i can't stand any of the modern music yes i know i'm that guy yeah i'm that old guy who doesn't think anything past 1969 is worth listening to and that's (laughs) that's not that's not exactly true i mean there's good music from the 80s and 90s i like and and even i can even find a song or two i like from the 70s but i pretty much didn't listen to music in the 70s but uh, uh but uh uh, generally speaking, I'm, I'm listening to old stuff. I, I'm, I just, I, I don't have the, the ear for the, for that, 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 that there uh, new music. It just leaves me cold. Well, I don't, I don't listen to radio. I will listen to music occasionally in the car. What I mostly listen to is podcast. And one thing I really truly love is audiobooks. I love the whole story aspect of it. I mean, for me, when I'm listening to an audio book, I can't wait to get back into the car to hear what comes up next. I mean, there are so many options now. Turning on the radio to hear the same 20 songs just doesn't make any sense anymore. Right. And and that's that's essentially what it came down to. I mean, when I was uh, spinning the stacks of wax at KBEM, <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a very extensive jazz library, and you know we were we were dipping into a lot of different genres of jazz and so forth. So it it wasn't like we were playing the same songs all the time. We might hit new releases just a wee bit harder. Uh, but by and large, uh, in a morning show, I tried not to play the same song more than once in a week. And, and if it was a, you know, a classic more like once in a month. Um, so, uh, we had the depth to do that. Um, but you know, any, everybody else in the market was playing, you know, basically 20 songs. You know, early on when I was working at that same station, the jazz station, I always found this hilarious, um, they would have me come in on Saturdays or Sundays and do a shift because they needed somebody to fill it. I'm the traffic guy, but I'm doing this music show. Yeah. Now, I knew very little about jazz. I really wasn't tied into the whole jazz aspect, but there were certain things I liked. They tend to be more melodic, more, uh, more, uh, um, almost maybe even kind of poppy to a certain extent, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, 
like George George Benson or something like that. And so I would come in every Saturday and I would pick out songs based on what I liked and I would play them. And I would always get people coming out and saying, oh, my God, I love the songs you choose. You must really know jazz. No, I don't know fuck all about jazz. I'm just picking out what I kind of like or a, or a, an artist that I kind of have an affinity to because they're not quite as, you know, like Ornette Coleman, this, uh, this the, the jazz he did. I did not fucking understand. So I never played Ornette Coleman. But um it's 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 really kind of a personal thing, and when people thought I was this genius picking out these songs, I had to laugh because I knew fucking nothing about what I was picking out. Well, yeah, I mean, I was hired to play bluegrass on Saturday and folk music on Sunday night. That's what I was hired to do, and then I was offered the the, the news director job. I took that, but then eventually that that meant I was the told I was the morning show. You and me were the morning show after a point, right? Um, right. So so I had to. Uh, I had picked up a lot, of course, just working at the station. But when it became, when I knew that there would be days when my the guy who did the music would be sick or out or something like that, and I would have to fill in, I started saying, I'm going to read something every day about a jazz musician, a different one every day, something, an article, I'm going to go online, which you could do by then. Right. And eventually you learn a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I learned a lot just by what the other people played. And, you know, you, you hear what they say and so forth. And I developed, you know, uh, uh, loved, uh, certain artists, Louis Armstrong or, uh, or, uh, oh Lord, uh, a lot of them. Oh, there, that, there's, all, there's uh, all kinds of them. They um, brew back, uh, you know, and that sort of thing that I particularly liked. But then I would play ones that I just, didn't care for but some of the audience did so i tried to be more equitable about it and uh and and also play a lot of the women artists that did get a lot of play uh which i think people appreciated to a certain extent yeah absolutely well Ed, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back we're back on the rational boomer podcast ed is joining me today and we kind of got off on some personal radio memories and that sort of thing and talks about media, but we should get back to the the news at hand. And one of the big stories that happened yesterday that kind of got, I don't know, a little buried with all this queen news is, is pretty important. We know that uh, judge Aileen Cannon, a federal judge suggested to the DOJ that they needed some kind of special master to go through the documents that Donald Trump stole. And she's gotten a lot of heat over that because it was, frankly, a fucking stupid decision. But now in in more ways than one. Yeah. But now Merrick Garland kind of came back at her in kind of an ingenious way. Yeah. Yeah. He came back on the two pronged assault and and uh, basically attacked her reasoning uh, very effectively, I thought. But but then he gave her an out, too. Well, I think he gave her an out in order to get this done quickly. Yeah. You know, that, that's a smart negotiation thing. Get what you want, but give them an out. And I have to think, if she has any brains at all, she's going to want an out. Because after uh, giving that decision, she's gotten a lot of heat and some question about if she even knows what the fuck she's doing. Well, number one, let's let's just run down some things about her. Number one, she was appointed by Trump. Okay. okay. Uh, any judge, I would think, 
in that situation, especially one where it was so obvious that he went hunting for uh, a sympathetic judge, that, that they would have recused themselves and said, no, I can't really do that uh, because there were other reasons. Number one, when she was appointed as judge, she was working for the law firm that now is uh, representing Trump. Right. So this is this is how they found her. Obviously, that he went to his lawyers and said, "Find me a sympathetic judge." So they said, "Well, she she used to work for us. She used you to get me coffee her. for Christ's sake." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Go to her. Exactly. And the other thing was at the time it used to be that uh, when a judge was uh, uh, nominated. They would go to the American Bar Association and the American Bar Association would take a look and they would rate them as highly rated or, yeah, they could squeak by or 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 um, they would totally say, no, this person, yeah, this person doesn't need to be a judge. Well, the ABA did that. Uh, now, right wingers have been claiming forever that the American Bar Association is a left wing tool and they they rate uh, conservative justices lower than they do liberals. Uh I don't think there's any evidence for that at all. I think that the it's just that the Republicans or the conservatives tend to nominate unqualified judges right, as, right. Uh, as uh, um, payoffs or um, because they want them in a position to rule on uh, um, legislation and so forth that, uh, that, that they know is bogus. But if they can get them in there, uh, then they're there. And that's what happened here. You know, she was put in there simply because that she would rule the way they wanted. And and Trump did that. I think he nominated at least nine or ten that the ABA rated unqualified to be a judge. Right. And and even for even for uh, the Supreme Court, for example, uh, Kavanaugh never actually adjudicated the case as a judge. Right. You know, and yet he sits on the, the highest court in the land now. And it shouldn't be allowed, but it is because of the politics and the way it works. And uh, there's nothing we could do about it now. We have an unqualified judge who has uh, two conflicts of interest. And she makes a ruling that should have been written in crayon because it is so bogus. But what she really did, but beyond just uh, saying we need a special master, which is stupid because the classified stuff has classified stamped on it, for gosh sake. Right. The uh, the other thing was she basically said, you can't do this because it will harm his reputation. Well, that that uh, that uh, ship has sailed long ago and that you can't continue the investigation at this point until this is done. Uh, you know, and and this obviously was just to stall the uh, the investigation, and everybody knows it. But but then Merrick Garland comes back and uh, basically says that you know this is bogus because none of this belongs to Trump. You right. cannot find any way to get to to say that it belongs to him in any way, any of it. And it's very easy to separate it from anything personal, even though it's mixed together. You don't need any special person to do that. You just need someone who can read, essentially. You know, so uh, I think that makes sense. And the thing about it is, is that that he did the smart thing here. It was kind of a masterful thing. He pointed that out uh, and he said, look, the classified documents are under in no way 
Donald Trump owns these things. There's just no way. Right. And all the proof says that. So we can parcel out these things that might be questionable that not are, are not quali- uh, uh, classified, and we can hand those to you. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to appeal this unless you carve this little decision out, which is probably contrary to what she wanted to accomplish, but she's dealing with a different situation now. She is getting pounded on by this horrible decision. So the masterful part of this is I'm going to get what I want, but I'm going to let you save a little face so we can get this done quickly. Now, they appeal it. This is going to take time, and that time is going to cost as as he pointed out, irreparable harm to the security of this country. What he did right. in that in that in that uh, document, he basically said, "This is fucking up our security. Now it's on you. You put the onus on her. Now she's got to either look like the hero or a fucking idiot, and she will ultimately pay the price if she makes the wrong choice." Well, and you know, what price will that be? Uh, we don't know if there's a price to be paid. She's, uh, she has a lifetime appointment. Uh, it's, but she can be student. impeached. Well, she can be, but will she? Will anyone go to the trouble? Probably not. If it goes to, well, what is the 11th circuit? Uh, right. it will not be overturned because there is, uh, it's loaded up with Trump judges. Yeah. Um, now, now there is some hope because all of that, uh, all of those election lawsuits were turned down, turned back, uh, laughed at by even judges that Trump appointed. So there is some some hope there that there might be enough people there who want their reputation unstained right. that uh, on the circuit that they might turn it down, they might turn it back. Uh, that that's a possibility. But if they don't. The next appeal goes to Clarence Thomas. Right, right. Well, the thing about it is, though, the people who are on the 11th Circuit, there's got to be some people in there that, that while they may be Trump humpers, they've got to see the writing on the wall. This is what uh, this is what always interested me, especially with this judge. We can see Donald Trump dying on the vine. Right. You've got a lifetime appointment. Why in the hell would you die on the vine with them and have, like you say, this stain on your uh, on your reputation? Would it make sense? So, fuck, I got a lifetime thing. This is right. Shut them down. I, I, I don't understand the the mindset of still sticking with it when this boat is fucking sinking. I don't either, but uh, you never know. I, I mean, this is a personal decision on the on the. Uh, this judge, how much of a fanatic is she? I mean, uh, if you look at a picture of her and a picture of Amy Coney Barrett, uh, they have that same look in their eyes as far as I can see. And it, it's kind of a fanatic thing that uh, that scares me a little bit or yeah, a lot. <laughs> there, there was those days. It reminds me when I was a young man before I was married and you'd meet girls and you'd date and all that stuff and they'd be nice and wonderful but every so often you'd run across one and this is men too i can only relate to women because that's who i was trying to meet but you'd meet these women who might be very attractive and might seem personable but those fucking eyes were a little crazy and they scared the shit out of you and both of them have those crazy fucking eyes it's not just limited to women mind you that's just all I no, I can reference. Alito has that same. Alito oh. has the same look. Kavanaugh, Alito, Gorsuch, yeah, yeah. all these. See, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, I see as an opportunist purely. 
Uh, he's a frat boy who made it through law school somehow. Uh, he was deeply in debt, but he was picked by the, uh, he had worked with the right people. Uh, all three of those uh, justices, the last three that went on the Supreme Court, uh, were involved in the uh, uh, the altercation between Bush and Gore. Right. Um, that presidential uh, kerfuffle uh, where Gore came out on the, the short end of the stick. They were involved in that. So they were they were being groomed from then on uh, for these positions when they became open. And uh, somebody, we don't know who, paid off a lot of debt for Kavanaugh. So well, see, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting thing. You got all these people kicking about students getting $10,000 forgiven from their student loans, but somehow they thought it was okay to come up with a quarter or a half a million dollars to get Kavanaugh out of debt. Somehow that didn't right. bother them. Yeah. Well, and that and the PPP loans that uh, uh, a lot of Congress people, and, uh, you know, because they have separate businesses, supposedly, uh, like um, like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene supposedly has some sort of construction biz- business that she got. I think it was three hundred forty six million dollars, something like that. No, yeah. maybe hers was one hundred eighty six. And then these loans were all forgiven. So they were handed this money. Uh, Joel Osteen got like a million dollars forgiven. Um, and there were others. Uh, there were three or four other people. The, the seven that asked for pardons, uh, I think four of them had uh PPP loans. Matt Gates certainly did. Uh, he had the three hundred forty-six thousand. I, ha- I have no idea what his business was that he got a PPP loan. Do you something in traffic? <laughs> <laughs> something in traffic. No, you know it's funny. Um, that was just a, the PPP stuff was just a fucking free for all. At the oh, time, yeah. at the time that was coming out, I technically had my own business. Not really my own business, but I, you know, it was me. I had no yeah. employees, nothing like that. I was cutting deals. I was negotiating thing. I was being a middleman, essentially, in a business that sounds like you were selling weed. But that's <laughs> well, I'm I wasn't kidding. selling weed. But you know, had I oh. been able to get away with it, I certainly would have dipped my toe in that. But that wasn't the case. Um, but I had people in business that I talked to, whether it be potential customers or people around me here where I am in Minnesota, and they'd say, you should get one of these PPP loans. I go, why? Well, it's free money, basically, and you don't have to pay it back. And, and you know, the capitalist side of me said, I like free money. But when yeah. I looked at what don't it was intended for, I just couldn't rationalize it out. I don't have any yeah. employees. But I bet you, exactly. I, I'll tell you this, if I would have gone after a PP loan, PPP loan, I probably would have gotten it. Oh yeah. I mean, nobody was, there was no over, there was no oversight. There was nothing. It was like uh, Trump or his appointees or whoever it was who was supposed to administrate this just threw open the gates and yelled, Sue! And all of these people came out of nowhere and, and applied for these. I cannot believe that Joel Osteen had enough employees that he was going to have to sideline. Uh, first of all, the guy's like a, a you know millionaire a hundred times over uh, right. because he he shakes down people weekly for their money, right. and they send it in just like they do to Trump. Uh, and there is a parallel there; you can figure it out if you think about it for just a minute. But uh, gullible people will send anybody money if they uh, if they give them a good line. 
Okay, right. so right. it doesn't matter if it's Joel Osteen or Trump. Uh, here comes the bucks. They can't afford, but they'll send them anyway. And uh, I can't believe he had enough employees. He'd have to sideline to get a million point one dollars or whatever it was, right? Well, and uh, you know, and the same with Matt Gates or Marjorie Taylor Greene or any of these people. You know, most of them didn't close down anything anyway, but they took the money and then adding insult to injury. They got it forgiven. Now, I don't know anybody, and I know a lot of people with student loans, and I don't know anybody who has a million dollars in student loans. But Absolutely these people not. got this money, and they and and it was forgiven. And now they they just rag about the the lesbian dance theater major who works as a barista and has $40,000 in student loans that the coal miner in Kentucky is going to have to pay for in his taxes because they forgave him. You know, it's a good thing that I'm not, that I don't have superpowers. That's all I can say. (laughs) There'd be, I'd be frying people with my uh, heat vision all day long. Like a a nasty little kid with a magnifying glass. And I'd be going after those ants, you know? I mean, that's. uh, It's kind of like that uh, old, uh, old Twilight Zone show. Yeah. To the cornfield. Yeah, so, so yeah, that little kid, Billy Moomy, yeah, uh, yeah. said, you're making me angry. And everybody goes, oh, no, shit, no. But um, but it's like Brett Favre. Here's a guy who is a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> He's worth two, right. $300 million, but yep. he got a million six. Mm-hmm. And now, now here's the problem. He paid that money back. But there's yeah, still but see, some that question. Wasn't, that there's wasn't still some PPP. question of whether it's legal. Well, it wasn't. See, it wasn't PPP money, though. He His loans came out of child poverty money. See, oh. when, uh, you know, uh, you know, we always hear about the, how the red states get more back than they pay in in federal taxes. Right. Well, this is a good case. Now, all of the states, Tennessee gets this, too. I don't know which others do, but uh, they get a big chunk of money that um, then it's just given to them as a chunk. And it's then up to them. What they're supposed to use it for is to reduce child poverty. It used to be families with dependent children is what it was called. Now it's something else. It starts with a T, but it, it amounts to the same thing. They get a big chunk of money to, to administer. Tennessee sits on it. They don't do, they don't do anything with it. It just sits there and gains interest. And then, and they probably steal from it, just like Mississippi did. It's a but slush the former run. governor, right. The former governor and uh, some other folks and the, the woman who doled out the checks has already pleaded guilty. And so is their son. Uh, but what they did, they used this money for all sorts of things. And one of the things they did was give uh, over a million dollars to Brett Favre. And he was supposed to give three motivational speeches. And that's pretty good money per speech, right? Yeah. yeah well, that, to add insult, insult to injury, he never gave the speeches. Then they spent another chunk of money, gigantic chunk of money, to build a a volleyball facility, this lavish volleyball facility, where Brett Favre's daughter plays, because wow. she's on the volleyball team at uh, the, the college where he, you know, he was in, uh, where he went to college. They built this volleyball thing, just where his daughter just happens to play volleyball, and uh, and they gave him the million dollars there. He he he. Then when he when they 
ran this all down and found out how illegal all of this was. I think they're going after the former governor. This uh, uh, this woman has already pleaded guilty, and there's some others who are involved with it because it became just a slush fund where they doled it out however they wanted to, and no poor child ever got a penny of it. Now, where Brett gets in trouble, he gave back the million plus, but he wouldn't pay the interest they demanded, which is, uh, I think, $238,000 or something that he owes them in the interest for sitting on this million dollars for a year or so and never doing the speeches anyway. Uh, As far as the volleyball thing, I don't think he's liable for that. But, uh, you know, it's dirty. It's all dirty. Had he done the the speeches, in spite of the fact that it's way grossly Overcompensated. Would he have been safer if he actually gave the speeches? Would he have more? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, he 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 could argue. I didn't know where the money came from. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I when I go to uh, you know, he goes to all all of these people. Now, I I have not substantiated this, but I've seen it in three or four different places where uh, Lauren uh, Bobert, right? uh, She. She came into the House of Representatives. She gets $174,000 a year in salary. Uh, she was worth practically nothing. No, I mean, nothing. Her, her, uh, she now has $41 million. Yeah. So, How does uh, that happen? It happens because she goes to these places and gives these wacko speeches, and they give her these honorariums. And if that's all you do because you're not doing your job, She's somewhere every weekend, sometimes three or four times a week. You see her giving these wacko speeches at these places, and she's getting several hundred thousand dollars each to do them. Wow. So it, it, it adds up pretty quick. I imagine Marjorie Taylor Greene's now a millionaire, too. Probably Matt Gates. All of these people, you know, these wacko people who do not legislate. None of them have had a single piece of legislation. Jim Jordan's been a senator for 17 years. He doesn't, he has never offered a single piece of legislation, but he's a millionaire. All of these guys are because they, they go, they give these speeches, they get these, these, these tax tips and don't tell me they don't because they do. And, um, you know, that's all K street does is call them up and say, Hey, you want to put a little money in this? You'll double it in uh, three weeks, you know, and they all do it. Yeah. Democrats too. You know, I mean, that's, that's a perk of the job, right? Nobody gets by on $174,000 in Washington. That's right. your rent. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's, that, that's definitely the rent. Let, let me ask you this though, you know, with Donald Trump and all that's gone on with him and now with the Republican party, the members of Congress, the possibility of being involved in the insurrection, all the money aspects. You think this whole process is as as painful as it's been, has has been a good thing in the sense that it's brought all this cor- criminality and corruption to the surface, and now the average Joe can see it. And maybe that's what we need to do in order to fucking make changes. That's why I'm wondering if this midterm thing might be a turning point for this country. For all the bad that's gone on, it may have created some good ultimately. Maybe. uh, What I've always heard and what I have seen over the years is everybody thinks every congressman and senator is a crook except theirs. (laughs) Uh, and they, they think, oh, well, mine's a good guy. He's going to hold these other people to, to task. But nobody ever does. Nobody ever does anything about the lobbying. Nobody ever does anything because it's too much of a cash cow for everybody involved. Right. And uh, uh, one guy can't do it. 
there are several people in the Senate, in the House, that I think are decent people and probably would if they could, and they probably don't um, come away, uh, you know, super rich, although I can't name one, (laughs) to be honest with you. But, uh, uh, no, I don't think people are going to do a damn thing about it. I think it's been going on since the early days, since, since I'm sure there were back when they were working on the Declaration of Independence in Philadelphia on that hot summer. I'm betting there was stuff going on under the table left and right. I think, well, uh, I, can, I, uh, I can, I can tell you one politician who's been in Congress for 30 years that's not super rich. Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Joe Biden's not super rich. As much as the Republicans want to say he got fifteen million for this, if you look at his his net worth, it's like a couple million bucks. Yeah, it's not a lot of money. No, it's not, and it's hard not to get at least a couple million. You'd have to work at it. I'll say this about Donald Trump: he must be the stupidest man who ever lived, or he would be a lot richer than he is. Well, that's right. I mean, he had the opportunity to come off as a hero. But he was too caught up in his own image, and he's too busy trying to scam his way through. But he could have come out of this way richer than he was. He wouldn't have to scam Trumplefux for uh, um, for the little money he's getting from them from a limited source. They only have so much money. If he'd just done this right, done it decently, and rode rode the bench a little bit, and not get so crazy. That fucker could have been set up for life, like a Bill Clinton or like a George W. Bush. They don't have to do anything. They, they yeah, have plenty you of know money. who you know who Randy Quaid is, right? I do. Yeah. All righty. Uh, yeah. Well, he's he was a decent actor. Yeah, um, he was. He played. You know, he cousin Eddie in all of the uh, vacation movies, and uh, he was in the. You know, the he was one of the heroes in. Uh, Independence Day and different ones. I mean, he's he's been around. The last picture show was his first one. He was a student at the University of Texas. He got a featured role in that. He went to Hollywood and uh, and, and you know he he actually was nominated. I don't think he won, but he was nominated for best supporting actor for uh, the last detail. Right. And uh, he, he worked steadily. Let's put it that way. And then then he has mental problems. That's all you can say. He kind of lost it. A little there. paranoid. And, and uh, yeah, well, now he tweets all the time. A very, very, very uh, strong Trump supporter. Of course. And uh, um, I, 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 somehow or other, he shows up on my Twitter feed all the time. And, and I try not to engage with him, but every now and then I have to because he is he is obviously mentally ill. He's obviously not being treated. So I, I, I try not to be, you know, too involved with him like I am with some others. But uh, um, I, I forgot what I was, where I was going with this. Well, it's, with you know, he's a, he's a Trump humper. He's all about conspiracy theories. And it's kind of a sad thing. He's having a mental break and obviously not getting any kind of help for it at all. Right. Oh, I know where I was going with it. Uh, he was he was complaining yesterday because of uh, the Obamas showed up to get their portraits, you know, unveiled and so forth. And he was saying they're presenting themselves as rich and all of this stuff, and they don't have a pot, you know, to pee in, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going, come on, Randy, they're they're millionaires now. 
they both had best-selling books. Yeah. They have a Netflix deal that's paying them, I forget how many million dollars a year for producing. Um, uh, he has an Emmy. He has a, a Grammy. He has, and so does she, um, for their recording audio, audio books of their, their best-selling books. Right. Yeah, they're, they are rich, but it's well, legitimate. Even if it's they legitimate. aren't rich, so what? What's that got to do with it? He he was the president of the United States. I mean, those pictures were supposed to be put up during the Trump administration. Right. But Trump said, we don't want the Obamas in here. Right. I mean, this this is the thing. But, I mean, they became rich, but they became rich legitimately. Clinton's, same thing. They have best-selling books. They have uh, deals. Of all, they sit on corporate boards because everybody wants and they all get a couple of hundred thousand dollars for sitting on a board. Right. Uh, you show up once a year and you vote. You know, that's what you do. Uh, all of these politicians do that. So it is so ingrained the the profit motive is so ingrained in politics. Now, I don't think you get rid of it. I, no. I just don't. You Maybe you try to clean it up. Um, I personally think that lobbyists should be banned. I don't think there should be, they should, they should be allowed to lobby Congress, Senate or Congress, uh, Cong- or the House of Representatives in any way. I think private citizens can be allowed to do that, but not corporations because it always comes back to a bribe. It's like when the, uh, uh, the, the pharmaceutical salesmen, if you ever go to the doctor, you see all those people sitting in the waiting room with their briefcases. They're not there to see the doctor because they have an ailment. They're right. there to sell them uh, some sort of uh, medication, right? Right. And uh, it's the same thing with lobbyists. And there's always a little bit of sweetening that goes with it. And it it is uh, once you start, it's awfully hard. It's like uh, when you get addicted to smoking, right? It's awfully hard uh, to put down the butt. Well, it's the same thing with money in politics. And I don't know that you get rid of it, You, but you have to keep trying somehow. Well, if you want to fix our government and fix politics, you have to take money out of it. You talked about lobbyists and uh, PACs and all these things. And when you have them involved, it's not about what's right, what's true, what's righteous to be done. It's about who has the most money. And the fact that people win elections because they have more money than some other people causes us to get leaders that maybe not be the best leaders for us, the best elected officials. I've often thought, whether it be the presidential election or or for the Senate, for the House, for local, local elections, if we could just say, okay, here's the deal. This is the absolute limit you can have for money in your election and both sides have to have the same amount of money. Say it's, say it's a presidential election and it's $10 million. Both, both candidates get $10 million to use it the best way they can. Then it comes down to who's the best choice as opposed to who has the most exposure on television. Right. And this is the thing. I mean, this is why, uh, Things like uh, Citizens United decision by the Supreme Court was such an abomination. It allowed all this dark money uh, in there that uh, it equated money with speech, which we know it isn't. Just yeah. because you have money and I don't, that gives you a vast, a vast advantage. You're right. All, all contributions, all contributions to politicians 
for their campaigns should be banned and it should be publicly financed exactly as you say uh, if you're running for your uh, uh representative state representative you get a hundred thousand dollars each right and you can spend that on local radio newspapers whatever you want to do with it but that's all you get if you are a billionaire you can't use any of your money same thing with uh as you go up you raise it a little bit to get up to president and then it's 10 million dollars and that's it that's all you get now the the biggest people that are going to fight that of course are the media because they are hogs to the trough right every absolutely. election because that's 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 it. mostly how they make their money a lot of them uh during the election season but it's got to stop it's got to stop because if you can uh if you can, uh, if some uh, billionaire can come in at the at the end of a campaign and do a billion dollar buy, uh, calling the, the one other candidate a pedophile, you know, right. and, and all this innuendo and slander, uh, two days before the election, where there's no way you can fight that, uh, that's insane that it you is. allow that to happen. So you, you, you have to, uh, there's, that's the only way it can ever be combated. And that's why we have, that's why I have the people in Washington more than half. I'm going to say three quarters of the people in Washington do not deserve to be there. They have, uh, number one, it used to be that if you were a senator, you had done your time in local politics. You'd right. been a mayor, you'd been a sheriff, you'd been something in local politics. Then you moved up to maybe you were a school board uh, member or uh, uh, alderman or something like that. And then, and then you moved up into state politics and then maybe you got to be a treasurer or something like that or a, um, you know, a, a judge or something like that. And you kept moving up. And then finally, when you're about 50 years old, you get to run for Congress or something like that. Or right. now you get these people come out of nowhere with money and run for Senate. Well, for you fucking know, president. Yeah. I mean, look he used to be in Virginia, you know, this, this, uh, he came out of nowhere and, and now he's the governor of Virginia just because he had money. Well, I mean, it's the same for, for president. It used to be that the people that would run for president are typically reps in the house, senators right. or governors. Governors. Those are the people that yeah. ran for president. Now, Donald Trump comes along and he has some shitty TV show and he's uh, perfectly qualified by Republican standards to run and win the presidency. That's, that's part of the problem. One of the problems that, 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 uh, Donald Trump had, as well as being dumb and corrupt and criminal and all, uh, treasonous and all that kind of thing, uh, it, over and above that, he didn't know how to fucking play the game. No. He he walked in there and thought he could have it his way because he thought he was king. And now he's paying the price for it. He's going to end up getting di- indicted because he didn't know how to play the fucking game. Or didn't care to. I mean, as you as you point out, he, he came in with this idea that he was a king. He didn't understand how the government works or did work. And that's why Joe Biden is such a good president. He spent 30 years in Washington learning the ropes. It's yeah, the same with Mitch it. McConnell. That's why Mitch McConnell is so effective. These people have been there forever. They're like LBJ. They knew how to get it done. That's why LBJ was an effective president. That's why he got civil rights passed. That's why he got the war on poverty to do so much that it did, because he knew, number one, he knew how things worked. But number two, he had shit on people. 
Yeah. And so does Joe. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe can does. call up a Republican senator and say, hey, I know your nephew did this. <laughs> I'm right. not going to say anything, but I sure could use your vote. Well, I mean, and, it, that's the way it works. And people get frustrated with Joe Biden because he seems to be slow and plotting. And he is. And I get frustrated with it. And the average Joe gets frustrated with it because we just got done with Donald Trump, who just reacts and is emotional about everything. But what we have to understand and what I have to remind myself is Joe knows the game. All he wants is the win and whatever route he has to take to get that win, he will do, even if it does seem like it's taking too long. Well, another thing, and I have to point this out, that uh, everybody hates Mitch McConnell, okay? And and justifiably, justifiably. Uh, he's a Machiavellian. He is, uh, he's not on the right side of history in so many ways, but a lot of Biden's wins have be- been because Mitch McConnell let it happen. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean he supports it, but it means he let it happen. And why did he let it happen? He hates Donald Trump with a burning passion and he would love to see this guy under the jail. Because he totally screwed up Mitch McConnell's game plan for uh, the past eight years. The only saving grace that Mitch McConnell has from being the most hated human in America, Ted Cruz. Nobody (laughs) fucking likes Ted Cruz. This is true. You know, I mean, uh, everybody hates Ted Cruz. That's a unifying factor. But it's, it's becoming the same with Trump. I mean, nobody, no one who has been in Washington for a long time, they all have their agenda. They right. all have the way they think, way things think, the, the way that they thought things should go. And he blew it out of all out of the water and not in a good way. No, no. Not he, in a good way. Well, and, and, and the Republicans should have known this. All they had to do was look at his history. He's been successful in nothing. He's been kept alive because people keep bailing him out. But everything he's tried has been a failure. And it, it and it goes to something I've said, said to um, the listener who I'm doing a show with. You'll hear that uh, Sunday, Sunday morning. I said, one of the things that people have to understand and the Republicans have just not grasped at some point in your life, you have to acknowledge and understand that you can be wrong yep. and that being wrong isn't the bad thing. Being wrong and keep doubling down and tripling down and ultimately failing because you're too ego driven to admit you're wrong. It's a good thing if you realize you're wrong because then you can adjust and do the right thing. But the Republicans refuse to do that. And Donald Trump is quintessential when it comes to doing that. If it comes out of his mouth, it's the gospel direct from Jesus. Nothing can be changed and he cannot be wrong. And that is his failing. Exactly. Uh, well, I don't know how much time we got left, but one thing I just have to bring up and I have to give a way to go. Uh, Michigan, uh, just got um, their abortion bill on the ballot. Right. Um, they uh, the um, canvassing board had had been trying to block it by claiming that there was not the spacing on the document <laughs> that was, was right. not sufficient or some really bogus idea. But the court overturned that. And uh, Michigan will have on the ballot uh, abortion rights bill. They will force the Republicans to vote against it. They will show everybody what they are, or it will pass. 
It, it's a good thing. It cannot lose. Either way, it will brand the Republicans as uh, monsters or right. it will pass and, and it will make sure that uh, abortion will be legal and available in Michigan. And it's it's it's. It's not fun because this is a terrible thing that they're doing, but it's interesting to watch all of these Republicans going, oh, it's got to belong to the states. It belongs to the states. The states have to be the ones who do it. And then they fight like crazy uh, to keep from having the states be able to rule on it. And they, what they really want is to take back power so they can codify anti-abortion rather than codifying abortion as legal, which is what the Democrats will do if they retain the House and the Senate. And everybody has to realize that and and know that if you want abortion to be safe and legal in the United States, you have to vote blue and make sure that the Democrats retain both the House and the Senate and the presidency and Roe versus Wade will be enshrined in law, unable to be overturned by the Supreme Court, forever and that's what's on the ballot this fall this uh, that is what is really there that is the big thing and they can pack the court with as many yahoos as they want to but they won't be able to do it and i am hoping that the democrats will then expand the court and make sure that uh republicans can never again take away rights from people yeah uh, there's actually four or five other states that are going to have the uh, abortion thing on the ballot. And, and to be honest right. with you, the Republicans put their hand on the stove. They forgot to take it off and burn the shit out of their hand when Kansas did what Kansas did. They were all surprised. They were arrogant. They thought, we're going to shove this down your throat. Then they got kicked in the ass. Who would have ever guessed, given that 73% of the people <laughs> do support Roe v. Wade? I don't know why it now what they're doing, and you see what the Democrats are doing, they're now going to force this issue in other states if they can. Right. I can't right. imagine the Republicans would want to do this again if they, they have to have learned a lesson. But I know the Democrats get, are getting a lot of shit from the Republicans, and they hate it, but I love the move. You know how the Democrats are going into these state elections, and they're supporting, they're sending money to the crazy fuckers that Donald Trump endorsed? Right, just so they because, can run against them. <laughs> they can run against them and lose, and it's driving the Republicans crazy. Mitch McConnell is driving them crazy, and they're going, well, that's not fair, and he shouldn't do this. Why are they supporting it and then saying they're against it? They're doing it to fucking win, and yeah. I don't blame them. Not at all. I mean, Mitch would do it. I mean, yeah. uh, that's that's what he does. I mean, he he knows the back alley ways of doing things, and he's not shy about doing it. Well, guess what? We learned from you, Mitch. Mitch McConnell, I think, has even done this. I can't pick out the specific time, but it's been done in elections over the years. <clears throat> Say you got a, a Republican, Bob Steele, whoever. That's just made up. And then you got a right. Democrat who's named Doug Anderson. Okay? Right. And they're running against each other. Then the Republicans will go in and find another Democratic Doug Anderson and throw pay them a bunch of money to go on and, and run for election. So now people are confused and they split their vote for Doug Anderson and the Republican wins. That's happened many, many times. So the idea of them trying to usurp their power by helping somebody else is 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 
has happened a million times. The Republicans have done it. The Democrats have done it. It's a little shady. But at this point, we're dealing with fucking shady times, and sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. Yeah, there's somebody under indictment right now for doing that, and I'm going to say it was South Carolina, but I can't remember. But it was uh, maybe Florida uh, in a district there where they did exactly that and, uh, you know, brought in a third candidate to to uh, with a similar name and so forth. So apparently it's illegal in some states to do that, but uh, um, it, it should be everywhere. It should uh, be frankly. everywhere. It should be everywhere. All right, Eddie, we're going to wrap things up for yet another Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for coming by and spending some time and setting us straight. It's a lot of shit I don't know, and it's always good to talk to listeners or you to find out what I don't know. Well, and and me too. Uh, I, I uh, There's a lot I don't know. I probably don't know more than I know, but occasionally I will luck onto something and I'll share it if I can. Well, the nice thing about this, too, is that when we come up with things we don't know or we're off the beaten path somehow, there's plenty of people that listen to the Rational Boomer podcast that won't hesitate to send me an email and say, whoa, wait a minute, that's not right. So it's good to get the input from the listeners, too, uh, that probably are smarter than us in many different areas. So I count on without a doubt. I count on our listeners to uh, set us straight when that is necessary. <laughs> All right, Ed, thanks again. We'll, we'll, of course, talk to you next week as well. We'll see how things shake out. No doubt there's going to be some crazy shit going on. I hope you all have a great day, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.